I played baseball. I grew up watching baseball. I don't know why I love baseball. It's a weird game. It's a peculiar game. I know why I love it as an American historian. It's because all of the stories that I want to tell as an American historian are, are manifested in baseball. Welcome to Well Said, the University of North Carolina at Chapel Hill's podcast. I'm your host, Will Reimer. That was Matthew Andrews, an associate teaching professor in the Department of History. Since 2012, Matthew has taught Carolina students to explore major themes in American history through the lens of sports. At the start of my baseball class, I begin with baseball trivia questions. We have a trivia quiz. And then I tell students, no matter how well or how poorly you did on that quiz, tear up that piece of paper because it doesn't matter. Those aren't the types of questions we're going to be talking about here. We're going to be using baseball to get at the big themes in American history, race, gender, class. On today's episode, Matthew will tell us about the Negro Leagues. Professional baseball leagues comprised mostly of African-American players. The leagues were officially established 100 years ago. But the history of African-American baseball, Matthew says, goes back much further. As long as there has been baseball, there have been African-Americans playing baseball. But as baseball got organized, African-Americans found themselves excluded from organized baseball. The first baseball association creates itself in the 1850s, and black players and black teams try to be in this association, and this all-white association says no. So we see a color line being drawn in, in early baseball. And so what black players and black teams do is they're what's known as barnstorming teams. You know, they travel around by train or by automobile later, and they try to pick up games here and there. They entertain and they play baseball. It's just whatever we can do to make a little money playing baseball. There are a couple of attempts at the end of the 19th century to create a black league. There's something called the Colored League in the 1880s. It only lasts for a couple of months, actually. It's just really hard to get enough capital behind it. So the big moment in the organization or the institutionalization of black baseball is with the creation of what we now call the Negro League. Specifically, it's the Negro National League in 1920 by a Chicago baseball entrepreneur, a former great player himself, Rube Foster. And so if you're talking about the Negro Leagues, you're really talking about two leagues. There's the Negro National League and the Negro American League. They last from 1920 to the mid-1950s. It's kind of hard to pick an end date for the Negro Leagues, but they dissolve over the course of the 1950s. The rise of the Negro Leagues coincided with the Great Migration. A time in American history when large numbers of African Americans moved out of the South and into the North. They were seeking better jobs and more opportunities, while escaping Jim Crow segregation in the South. And so you get these growing urban centers in the North at this time. The Negro Leagues are sort of feeding off of that new northern black population. Attendance numbers sound pretty modest from our perspective today. Attendance at the average Negro League game might be 1,500, might be 2,000. But you got to remember, Major League teams weren't drawing more than about 15,000 at that time. Negro League numbers are pretty strong if you compare them to prominent white minor league teams. They're pretty comparable. As a staple of black communities, the Negro Leagues became a platform for politics off the field. At opening day of Negro League games, 
the whole black community would come out, you know, and there would be bands and people would be dressed in their Sunday best. The pictures are quite remarkable how dressed up people got for opening day. Speeches would be given and they'd be political speeches. They'd be speeches given by the head of the local NAACP. And so these were political spaces for the black community. But players in the Negro Leagues weren't the only African-Americans playing baseball at this time. Plenty of African-American teams existed around the country, even if they didn't participate in the Negro Leagues. There were very few Southern teams in those leagues. Probably the most famous was the Birmingham Black Barons, where Willie Mays got his start. But there were black teams in North Carolina. We mistakenly think of the Negro Leagues as being a synonym for black baseball. They were actually just a very, very small part of black baseball. In fact, the teams in the Negro Leagues, like the Elite Giants or the Brown Dodgers, any of these teams, most of the games they would play weren't as part of the Negro Leagues. They, they had their Negro League schedule, but they would barnstorm. They would pick up games here and there. They were always you know, hustling, trying to make money playing baseball. So the Negro National and American League are just kind of a small part. But there were black teams in Durham. There are a famous team in Greensboro, the Goshen Red Wings. So there were local black teams that we baseball historians still don't know a lot about. I mean, there are a lot of stories out there, a lot of histories out there about black baseball still to be written. Really, wherever you had communities of African-Americans, which you obviously did in North Carolina, you had black baseball teams. They just didn't necessarily play in the Negro Leagues. Much of what historians like Matthew know about the Negro Leagues comes from primary sources, like newspapers, specifically the black press. But a big portion of the league's history is actually unknown. While grandiose stories of the leagues have stood the test of time, historians don't know if many of them are true. There are a lot of holes about the Negro League. So even though the black press was publicizing it as best they could and telling as many stories as they could and alerting readers to what was going on in the Negro Leagues, there are a lot of holes. There is very shoddy record keeping. When we talk about Negro League records, we don't know who holds the records. And we suspect that Josh Gibson hit the most home runs in the Negro League. People say he hit more home runs than Babe Ruth hit in the major leagues. Maybe. We just don't really know. One of the things I like about the Negro Leagues is there are all these amazing stories that are out there. Speaking of Josh Gibson, there's a story, for example, that he was playing in Pittsburgh one day. And he hits a ball so hard and so far it just disappears into the sky. And then the next day, his team, they're in Philadelphia. A ball comes out of the sky. A guy catches it. And the umpire looks at Josh Gibson and says, you're out yesterday in Pittsburgh. It obviously isn't true, but that's the beauty of the Negro Leagues in a sense that because we don't know what really happened, because we don't have all the records, there are all these wonderful tall tales that are out there, and no one can really prove them wrong. That beauty, however, can lead to inaccurate and romanticized memories of the leagues. But Matthew says it's important that we always remember why these leagues were created in the first place. What we can never forget is that they are a response to segregation. They only exist because black players are not allowed to play Major League Baseball. So I think that's especially important now as we celebrate the 100th anniversary of the Negro Leagues. And I bet in most of these celebrations, the sentence will not be said, the Negro Leagues were created as a response to racism. They were created as a response to segregation. They were created as a temporary response 
to those things. We do this with baseball all the time. We romanticize baseball all the time. It's one of the themes of my course. Baseball used to be better, we say. People said the same thing in the 80s, in the 1960s. I've got a quote going back from the 1860s where there's a guy in a newspaper saying, baseball used to be better. It isn't what it used to be. So we tend to do that. We romanticize and nostalgize baseball. I don't think we want to make that mistake in 2020, romanticizing the era of Jim Crow. We, we can get excited and energized by the creative response to Jim Crow that the Negro Leagues were, but let's not forget why they were there in the first place. The symbolic end of the Negro Leagues was marked by Jackie Robinson's Major League debut for the Brooklyn Dodgers in 1947. We celebrate the story of Jackie Robinson and the desegregation of Major League Baseball. And we should celebrate that. I mean, that's America beginning to live up to its values about equality and justice for all. And the Jackie Robinson story cannot be told too many times. Jackie Robinson, who comes from the Negro Leagues, he plays for the Kansas City Monarchs in the Negro Leagues, and then he's picked by Branch Rickey to be the guy to desegregate Major League Baseball and play for for the Brooklyn Dodgers. And he does with grace, and he does it under tremendous pressure. You know, I think what Jackie Robinson does in 1947 is the single greatest event in American sports history, succeeding as well as he does. But there's a cost to this success. What white major league team owners are going to realize is there are great black players out there. There's good black talent out there. And they're going to start raiding the the Negro Leagues. And they're not going to pay for these players. You know, back in the 1940s, if a major league team wanted a player from a minor league team, from a white minor league team, they would pay the minor league team for the rights to that player. That's not how it worked with the Negro Leagues. They just took Branch Rickey just took players from the Negro Leagues. He brought them over to the Dodgers. The Dodgers were the best National League team in the 1950s because of their black players, the Giants also in the 1950s, because of black players like Willie Mays and Monty Urban. And so the Negro Leagues got raided and they suffered. They protested, but the major league owners didn't really have to respond to those protests. What happens to the Negro Leagues well, they go away because the best players aren't in those on those teams anymore. They go away because black fans start to lose interest in those teams. You know, African-Americans in the late 40s and early 1950s, they want to save up their money, get on a train, go 200 miles and see the Brooklyn Dodgers and see Jackie Robinson because he's their guy. The Dodgers are black America's team in the 1950s. And they lose interest in the local team, the local Negro League teams, and they stop going to the games. Attendance dwindles one by one over the course of the early 1950s. These great teams go away. Although the Negro Leagues faded away in the 1950s, the leagues, their teams, and their players have had a lasting impact on the game of baseball. One of the influences of the Negro Leagues is the way they actually changed Major League Baseball in the 1950s. You wouldn't really differentiate between white and black baseball as far as the style of play goes at the very start of the 20th century. There, there was baseball. And then because of Babe Ruth in the major leagues, white baseball becomes much more of a power game. People start choking down on the bats and start swinging for the fences. And base running and stealing and double steals, all that kind of goes away. What's known as small ball, the type of ball that like Wee Willie Keeler and Ty Cobb made, made popular at the start of the 20th century. But that style of ball 
small ball, speed ball, whatever you want to call it, that continued to flourish in the Negro Leagues. And it's Jackie Robinson who brings it back. So Jackie Robinson has many effects on American culture, many effects on the game of baseball. You know, he desegregates Major League Baseball. But he's the one who really is thought of as reintroducing speed and, and, and base running and daring back into the game. And so the game of baseball itself, Major League Baseball, improves in the 1950s. Now you have both speed and power. Do you have an idea for an upcoming episode of Well Said? Please tell us. Tweet us at UNC or email us at wellsaid at unc.edu. You can find Well Said wherever you get podcasts. So we hope you'll subscribe and leave us a review. Thank you for listening to this episode of Well Said. See you next week.